Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery available in Regina at sassbeardelivery.ca. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. Joel Gasson with John Fraser as usual and... um, we are going to talk about the Riders' big win over the Alouettes this week and them clinching mm-hmm. their playoff spot once again this season. Uh, we'll talk about, again, the offense, the defense, and we'll ask the question whether Craig Dickinson's clock management is becoming a bit of a concern. It is. But before we get into all that, um, you may notice a little bit of a different tone off the start of the show this week. Mm-hmm. Normally, we talk about something completely irrelevant to the rest of the episode, and we like to have a little fun off the top of the show, but uh, it just didn't quite feel right this week, given kind of what's going on, especially in the in the sports world, especially, you know, in the Canadian sports world, in terms mm-hmm. of, like, sports that Canadians care about. And that's, of course, um, sort of everything that's going on in the Chicago Blackhawks. And we're not going to get into yep. all the details. You can find Rick Westhead's work at TSN. He'll show you everything you need to know there if you haven't, uh, if you don't really know the story that well. And we're not and, really. And, and we're not. Off, kudos to like, and kudos to Rick because this was something that came up in in conversations I had with people and being an ex media guys. People are going, well, why aren't there more Rick Westheads? Well, the problem is until you get the 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 career, until you can be essentially irreplaceable like a Rick Westhead can be, it's hard to stick your neck out and it's hard to go after these teams and it's hard to do what he did, mm-hmm. knowing that if this falls on his face, there's a thousand other writers they can replace him with. So uh, kudos to, to Rick Westhead for digging in and, and making this a thing and holding the NHL and the Chicago Blackhawks to task on and continuing to hold everybody to task on this. It's been awesome seeing that. Yeah. And we're not going to get into, you know, a big discussion about the NHL and hockey is and all that sort of stuff. I think uh, we've made our thoughts on the current state of hockey in a lot of ways. Uh, on mm-hmm. this podcast before, so that's that's really neither here nor there at this point, because I think all of this should lead to a discussion beyond just 
whether it's the Chicago Blackhawks, the National Hockey League, or the sport of hockey in general. And it's a conversation probably not only for sports in general, but just life in general. But I think specifically it does impact and should change a lot with the world of sports. And unfortunately we've seen these incidents kind of incidents before, and they haven't maybe been as transformative as one would like, but every event, you know, as long as as much you don't like to see them is a chance to get better and a chance to improve. And I think this is where we're at one of those points again, especially I think in terms of Canadian perspective, because we've heard Mm -hmm. of other scandals recently, you know, there was the U S gymnastics team and there was the Baylor football team and all this sort of stuff, but that was all, you know, that's kind of in the American mindset that maybe we think, oh, well, that's, you know, that's really, that's a horrible story, but it really sucks that's, but that happened there. And yes, this right. happened in Chicago, but this involved Canadians and this involved a sport that, you know, a vast majority of Canadians care about. Right. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's clear at this point now, whether you, no matter what sport you're a part of at any sort of level, the culture to a degree you know, in every sport, it's a little different, has to change. Mm-hmm. And this comes down to a lot of different things, and it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take a lot of time, and it'll take a lot of work to make it happen. And there's got to be people willing to put in that work right now, and I'm not convinced at the highest levels, at least in a number of sports, if there are people are willing actually to put that work in or just put in sort of talk to get kind of try to make this go away. Or, and, or, to find, or to find scapegoats, like you mm-hmm. and I were talking before we started recording about the NFL investigation that, yeah, okay, it's a good thing that the things that John Gruden said, that he was shown the door, but as you pointed out, through thousands upon thousands upon thousands of emails, I don't believe for a second that that's the only person that was implicated, right? No. Um I mean, this had, and this was through the investigation of the Washington football team and right. their piece of shit owner, Dan Schneider. And allegedly, there's nothing else, if you are to believe the NFL. <laughs> An investigation was launched into what a piece of shit a guy is. And yet, here here we are. And it just, it, 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 it baffles me, Joel, that mm-hmm. you see, you see the NBA be kind of in front on this, right? Like, mm-hmm. Um, I know you said his name in the preamble. Donald, what, Sterling. Uh, the Donald old... Sterling. Thank you. You knew where I was going with that. Donald Sterling was a racist piece of shit, and he went out and was this team was essentially stripped from him. And I, I personally believe the same thing should have maybe happened to the Chicago Blackhawks. Like it just, you know, Donald Sterling is a vile human being. And had a vile sense, you know, he was, he's just a terrible person. And I hate to say something's worse than the other, but being an outward racist piece of shit compared to covering up a sexual assault, like they at least seem on par, if not one's maybe worse than the other here. So uh, I was flabbergasted. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you don't want, you and I aren't going to talk about a lot, but I think the NHL had an opportunity to send the message that we all need to be better by finding the shit out of the Blackhawks, removing ownership. I I know the rot has apparently been removed, but they had a chance to send a message and they didn't. And what worries me is you have such an awful thing happen in your league and 
you're fine the equivalent of finding you or I, you know, one night bar tab at, at pile of bones, right? Like yeah. it just they had a chance to to be the leaders and and they didn't and they've they've, they've handed off. out yeah they've handed out greater punishments recently for cap violations and draft violations. Right, for working out a prospect, mm-hmm. you get fined more than you do for covering up a sexual assault. By, and they by lost draft coaches. picks. Like, Again, so, the... And that stuff's important, and, you know, in, in the integrity of the game and blah, 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 that's important. But this is kind of my point now is we are past that now. We are past a point as a society yep. where you can say that this, you know, integrity of the game stuff is more important than being a good fucking human being. So. Right enough of this winning at all costs like yes win at all costs financially um in terms of you know in terms of business and you know yep. in-game decisions and all the you know player personnel decisions and all that kind of stuff sure whatever win at all costs if you want yep yep but when it comes down to the decency of being good human beings we shouldn't stand for that anymore and it that is not worth any win in my books at this point, and it never should no. have been. But no. it's been something that's been allowed to fester in the world of sports for a long time because you know we, we you know we especially we as I'm talking like the general you know mediocre white male has been <laughs> right. you know kind of oblivious to a lot of this stuff because frankly a lot of it doesn't generally happen to us. Well, and you're absolutely right, Joel. And I think, too, you know, sports in general has a very, very long way to go. But you look at the reaction to the Calvin Ridley news out of the NFL uh, this week that, you know, he was stepping away from the game to deal with his own mental health issues. And Mm -hmm. maybe it's my echo chamber. I'm sure there's probably some still guys driving lifted trucks with fish in their Tinder profiles and sunglasses on in their Facebook photos that – don't like it, but it just seemed like there was there is more support than venom, and even you know to relate to here in Canada. Um, one of my dearest friends and a friend of this program, Colin Hodgson, when he did the same thing, he stepped stepped away from his team for a bit to mm-hmm. make sure his mental health was good. It just you know, well, Carey Price has done that with the Habs too now, and for the most part, the support I've seen with that was positive as well. But yeah, there's there's going to be idiots about it, and you know it's glad it's good that on certain issues you can see there's been progress but mm-hmm. clearly in other facets of right life there is still progress to be made oh a million percent right like the moncho mentality the as you said the win at all costs the keep it quiet for the betterment of the team like that all needs to go away and go away in a hurry and you know i hope that both my boys although max doesn't <laughs> he's not into team sports at all <laughs> and i'm weirdly at this junction pretty glad about that um you're right that that culture of silence and and don't speak out and it could jeopardize your career i mean if there's still guys in this day and age that are essentially being the bobby knights of the world and just being angry aggressive pieces of shit on a power trip and using their role you influence people and abuse people whether it be verbally mentally or however many other other ways um those guys need to be gone from the game you know they absolutely need to be gone from the game and that starts at the you know right from the from minor football or minor hockey or lacrosse or whatever all the way up to the pros that you know this toxic masculinity needs to go away and until that happens in a widespread you know in a widespread way and and that's that's the thing i hope that 
this Blackhawk situation is awful. What happened to Beach was awful. What happened to that 16-year-old kid was just as, like, just, it makes me feel sick thinking about that shit. And at least, and you know me, I, I for all the yelling and anger and negativity I, I, I can bring, you know, at my core, when I'm not podcasting, I'm I'm generally a silver lining kind of guy. And I hope that this getting international news and the league getting dragged for their reaction to it and the Blackhawks organization getting dragged for, you know, their role in it and everything. I'm hoping that maybe this will cause people to look inward. I'm just, I'm scared. It won't, I'm scared that nothing good will come of this. And that's, that's what worries me, but it needs to happen. It does. And I, I share those same fears with you because we, we see it time and time again in all kinds of worldly situations. I mean, at the start of COVID, we all had hopes that this would lead to some great change in the way, you know, <laughs> society functions and, uh, yeah. <laughs> Back to square one. Yeah. Um, anyway, there's no, I guess, no real easy transition out of that. So, yeah, we will talk about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, their big win over the Montreal Alouettes, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. But because I think we need a drink right now, uh, John, for the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, what is in the glass this week? A little discovery I made from our friends at the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Uh, Not one I had seen them tease much on social media. Uh, I literally walked into Sobey's Liquor Store. Not the one by my house. I went to the one up on Preston. Mm. uh, Just wanting to pick out something. And I saw their Oktoberfest lager. Mm -hmm. It is the perfect fall lager, Joel. Um, And I speak from a man whose first date with his now wife was at an Oktoberfest. Mm-hmm. Again, it was the what, Mr. Oktoberfest, but uh, that's where she won a beer drinking competition, and I knew it was love at first chug. The most authentic of Oktoberfests. Exactly, right? <laughs> I, I mean, actually, it is actually a really good time. <laughs> you just go back every year we're in Lloyd. I mean, not only for the memories because it was so much fun, but having this was a nice sip of nostalgia. It's a little stronger uh, of, a, of a lager, so if you're very much looking for, like, a patio kind of sitting out on the deck when we get that unseasonably warm, you know, 15 degree day that I'm sure is going to come any day now, even though we're into November climate change and all. Um, it's not the beer for, for that moment. It is the beer for, I just want something easy drinking. It's kind of cooler outside. It's a little heartier, uh, fuller. Uh, it's got a great taste to it. And, and I've, I've tried as a guy that likes German beer, mm-hmm. I've tried German beer, not like other breweries attempts at German beer and haven't been a fan. But I can tell you, if you are a fan of German beer, uh, the Oktoberfest lager is awesome. uh, And again, made by our friends at Pile of Bones. So uh, make sure they send some up when you come up for the curling trials here in a couple weeks. Uh, That was a seasonal that they haven't brewed in a while. Well, not a while, but I guess it came out sort of toward the end of September. So I don't know how much of that is left. I, I'm going to assume by the quality of it, not a lot. Not a ton, no. I had well, I had a Stein. They had them in Steins on the patio at one point, and it was... Oh, that's even better! It was delicious. Very delicious. Great great patio beer, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, colder patio beer, hmm. right? Like, when you have to wear the lederhosen to stay warm. Uh, for me, I'm also with our friends at the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. I went and visited them on Friday. And uh, picked up a uh, batch, uh, new, picked up some cans of the new batch of Prairie Pills. That's, of course, their uh, Pilsner-style beer. 
that mm-hmm. is just crisp, dry, and so utterly delicious. Um, it's even better now because it's the first beer they've ran through their new centrifuge, which is basically oh. like a fancy filtration system. So like it's even like cleaner and crisper than ever. So and, and that was already that that Prairie Pills when it mm-hmm. first came out was so clean and so crisp and just hit the spot. So it's so dry it makes you want to take another sip, and that's just like the perfect pilsner. Like I had one after oh, the yeah. game on Saturday. It went down pretty quick. I'm not that's that's fair. <laughs> I'm just thinking because those will be something that we can drink while you're up here for the mm-hmm. trials in about twenty. What's the day? Twenty ish, twenty eight ish days. You know, four weeks from now, still yep. it makes me sad that it's so far away. Um, <laughs> but that is definitely one. I feel like we're gonna have to like draw straws between you know, obviously not you and I, but maybe your lovely wife and my mother in law we can do like the Star Trek music and they can have like a dramatic drawing of straws to who's going to drive us all home are between draws. Fair enough. Yeah. Mm. I had a rebuttal, but I was too busy finishing <laughs> up. It's October Fest longer. <laughs> I, so, I, I could tell it was, it was quite noticeable. <laughs> oh, it was so goddamn good. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's been a while since I've just like looked at something on a shelf and been like, huh, I think I'd like that. And uh, put it this way, I went with that over uh, because the Sobeys liquor store in Stonebridge doesn't have Lake of the Woods Blueberry Ale, the one on Preston did. That's what I came in there for yeah. and left with the Oktoberfest lager, and it is that good in my face hole. I mean, you really love that Blueberry Ale, so I do. that's, that's I, saying something, I guess, yeah. That really is saying something, although I'm probably going to go back. I, I have the day off of work tomorrow. I'm probably going to go off and go back and pick some of that up because it's just, I know it's out there. I know it's in my city. I know I don't have to drive to friggin' northern Ontario for it. I mean, you could have come to Regina because we have it down here. That is also fair, but I feel like, like... What was it you said to me the other day? You said to me, you you sent me something, and I'm like, "Don't tempt me with a good time here." Uh, no, I just sent yeah, you the picture of like the pile of it we have because it's not selling super fast down here. Right. That's and that's that's exactly it. And I and I think myself, it's going on kid... further discount even. So. Okay, I I legitimately like like. I know this is probably boring for our listeners. You might get an e-transfer to bring up a couple. Uh, <laughs> if it's going on further discount, uh, you probably going to get a little bit of an e-transfer to bring up a couple uh, couple cases for our weekend of debauchery here at the end of the month. Okay, sounds like a plan. All right, I'm glad we got that. That must have been just thrilling podcasting oh, right there. Just award-winning podcasting, no question about it. <laughs> oh, shit. Hashtag CFL Twitter Awards or whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> remember that and like it was just like just like openly campaign what was that i i I muted other obscure i don't know i muted that hashtag i couldn't handle it (laughs) oh yeah no it was and it was just like all the other cfl podcasts just out there like begging for votes like a man would beg for water after being in the desert or after being in a sweat lodge on the uh, on the mexico border for the arrested development fans out there um yeah, that was really insufferable. Or what was it that other podcast award too that my old podcast was nominated for? It was like some random like Canadian media one. It was like yeah. the Steve Dangle podcast, some other highly produced podcast, and it was like the two and out CFL podcast out of fucking left field. Like, sorry, sorry, Trav and Ty. I love one of you, but you're not fucking winning that. Yeah. There's a tangent of all tangents right there. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a little spicy. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, someone who did win on the weekend was the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Yeah, it was ugly, but they won. And, I mean, to them, that's really all that's going to matter. And, um, you know, I, I, that's probably just going to weigh. They're going to have to win football games at this point, I think. But, yeah, I mean, they clinched their playoff spot. They're in the tournament now, as, as football people like to say now. So, you know, goal number one, check. They're in the playoffs. And uh, from there on, we'll have to see what happens. But, uh, ultimately, yeah, they got the job done. And it wasn't pretty. It was a lot of the same things we saw again. But to me, the positive is... I think what we're looking at, at least in terms of the off the defense of this team, sorry, is we're seeing the evolution of this team. It's feeling kind of Chris Jones era ish right mm-hmm. now. And as I wrote on my piece on three donation.com, I don't know if that's really sustainable long term. But it's looking ultimately like it might be their best chance at success at this point. <sighs> Yeah, and can we all talk about the epic Fraser curse I laid on the uh, laid on these guys? Please, let's do. Yes, yes. Um, uh, if you if we had the old like dream, if we actually cared about editing and stuff, we'd have the dream music, and we'd cut back to me saying that the riders were going to finish one in four, and the gates of hell would open, and this province would be in a panic, and everybody would turn on Cody Fajardo and be showing up to Mosaic Stadium with pitchforks and torches and demanding change. And they proceed to go 2-0 and after that. If that isn't proof, Joel, the Fraser curse is legit. I don't know what is. Like, uh, Yeah. Is every every people... so often there's a tease that the Fraser curse has moved on to someone else. Right. And right. then. Like blaster. Yeah. And then it's clear that it, it's just, it, it comes home eventually. It's like, no, the curse has to come home. It just has to at the end of the day. I feel like at this point in my life, I need to like notarize, get a letter notarized of me apologizing to Johnny Manziel for ruining his career. Because I feel like that was 100% on me. This curse is that powerful. I mean, I don't know if it's 100% on you. I mean, he's, he still could have been better no, on I, his own. He wasn't good because of the curse. It's that. It's it's like. Not, not because the Montreal Alouettes rushed him the into. the Bombers to a Grey Cup once. So. Yeah. And now here we here we are with you know Mister I don't like smoked meat uh, and his offense somehow pulling out two wins despite looking ugly. Yeah, and I, I mean we'll get into it in a little bit. That game ended up being a lot closer than it should have been, but oh boy, yes. I think what we're looking at though is you know a team, and I, I think we got to give the defensive credit. And I think it's time to give Jason Shiver some credit too because he feel yeah. it feels like as defensive coordinator. He's kind of flying under the radar in this league a little bit right now. Which is kind of a good thing because, mm. to me, he's the next great head coach candidate out of this team. Yeah, I think it's certainly looking that way. Because, okay, you know, we can go back to 2019, and that was his first year with the defense, and there was still a lot of carryover personnel-wise sort of from the Chris Jones defense in that spot, and he had some really good pieces to play with still. Right. You know, And, you know, Charleston Hughes was there, Cam Judge was there so on and so forth you know the secondary was all still very good so everything was still there to be quite successful probably more or less whoever the defense coordinator was as long as they sort of knew what to do with the pieces right this year jason shivers comes in and, and you know rightly or wrongly depending on how you saw at the start of the year charleston hughes is gone cam judge is gone you know, there was lots of turnover, like 8,000 guys bust their Achilles to start a training camp. Oh, oh God. <laughs> I almost forgot about that. It's been such a long time ago. Right? So there's been a lot of really big change on defense, except in the secondary for the most part. But, right. you know, the front seven where this team has kind of made its bread and butter over the last number of years, 
was pretty much completely new. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's taken a little bit of time. They've been good all year, but you could always point at a little thing here or there about the defense and, you know, this and that and the other thing. But I think at this point, I think Jason Shivers there's a ton of credit for taking a lot of pieces that were new together, a lot of, frankly, relatively unknown Americans who right. were coming up to play in this league for, for the first time or relatively new to the game, and turning them into one of the better defensive units in the league. Because there's a lot of guys up front, especially on that defensive line right now, where, you know, outside of Mika Johnson and A.C. Leonard, and eventually Jonathan Woodard made him a bit of a name for himself, there's a lot of, who? Right? Who made that sack? Right? So, I mean, that's that's kind of the team that they've built on defense right now, where it's clearly a very strong system that works, and they're plugging and playing guys into it, and it seems to be effective pretty much no matter who's in there, as long as Mika Johnson's in there. And, you know, obviously he deserves a ton of credit for that as well. But I think ultimately this speaks a lot to Jason Shivers kind of shedding the Chris Jones skin a little bit. You still see influences of Chris Jones' defense in there, no question. Which is which is not a bad thing no. because Chris Jones is a great defensive mind. He's yeah. just not a good human. Yeah, and that is kind of what's carrying this team right now. And I know, you know, Cody Fajardo and Craig Dickinson and a lot of them, pretty much everyone after the game was asked about, you know, if the defense needs to carry the offense right now, will they get up to speed with some of the new guys? And I was like, well, in my head, I'm just like, well, I think this is just what this team is going to have to do. And I think the defense now might actually be good enough to do it. But... This is a question we used to ask ourselves every week a few years ago in one of the Chris Jones seasons was, if they need the offense to win them a game, can they do it? And I think right now the answer is no. And it, and it's funny, too, because some of the emergence of some of these unknown players has given the riders the cap room to go out and get some of these late-season additions. So let's not mm-hmm. forget that, you know, Shriver's ability to to turn guys into something is part of the reason why they can still try to tinker with the roster this late. But my biggest fear, speaking of the offense, Joel, and (laughs) they seem to have regressed. Mm -hmm. Like, basically heading into week five against the Bombers. Into the the Labor Day Classic, they looked good. You know, we are, I think our biggest criticism at that point was maybe they should run the ball a little more. And now it looks like... (laughs) I hate to say it, Cody's starting to look Tino Sinceri-esque. And if anybody knows my feelings on Tino Sinceri, he's basically the opposite of my feelings of Sergio. I think, I don't know how the hell Tino Sinceri was ever a starting quarterback anywhere because he was terrible for this team. And I'll never forget the day that basically they ran the ball every single time against Montreal because it was clear that he was just trash. So... (laughs) the regression worries me. Like if this team started off not being great on offense and the defense was carrying them like the old Chris Jones teams, I would be less worried, but they seem to be getting worse week to week. And and just looking at some surface level stats, Cody's only thrown for 300 once this year. He's come close two other times uh, in recent memory against BC and Calgary weeks eight and nine. But I can't think the last time a CFL quarterback on a winning football team flirted with 200 yards passing a game as often as Cody does. And it seems to be going the wrong way. Looking at the last three games, 191, 222, and 158 against Montreal. So, yeah, I think this is a championship caliber defense. But 
what the hell's going on with the offense that they seem to be moving backwards. It's not even uh, you. You say we are what we, what we think they are. I think they're getting worse, and I can't figure out why. And it's just it's one of the strangest things I've seen in recent memory. Yeah, I mean the offense. I think it's it's a lot of things. Um, I don't know if there's. I mean, obviously the offensive line is sort of the trigger point to all of it, right? But they, the last couple of games, I would say this is about the O-line, is they've had rough starts to games, and then they seem to adjust a little bit, and they get by okay. Like, I I wouldn't necessarily feel like for most of that game against Montreal that I think Cody was, you know, running for his life the entire game. So I don't know if I would put his struggles in that one entirely on the offensive line. Like, maybe I have in previous games. Right. Um, but, the, yeah, but that's worrisome. That yeah, that he, no, it is. He, it is. He looked like Tino Sinceri when the offensive line I thought played one of their better games of the season against Montreal. Yeah, so I, I don't know if he's still just kind of seen the ghosts a little bit because of the kind of year he's had, and you right. know, if, and if he can't kind of get through that, then that's a bit of a concern for him, sort of long term in his career. Um, but you know, so I think that I think there's just. <laughs> When it comes to, you know, sort of getting the medium to long pass going, there is just, it's just cursed at this point. I don't think there's <laughs> any other way to explain it. Like, we have we saw just about every single possible, you know, like, they in, to the credit against Montreal, they tried. Like, they, they didn't necessarily, I don't think they did against Calgary really the week before, but... No. Against Montreal, they tried. They, you know, like, they, he hits Kyron Moore in the hands on, like, the first play of the game, he drops it. There right. was a couple other attempts that were one. I think one was a bad throw. Another was sort of a weird thing. And it's just, it's just, it's it's almost remarkable how inefficient it is. At some point, you would think some of these, like you know, the law of averages, regression to the mean, some of these would start to connect at some point, and they're right. just not. And it's it's perplexing on every single level that you would not think that they just simply can't do it. Period when, you know, sort of the law of averages would suggest you would at least hit on a couple of these every so often. And the whole thing just feels sideways right now. And I yeah. I don't know what the solution is. And I know I know every time we see sort of Cody and Jason Maz talking on camera, you know, that sort of gets people going, thinking there's some, like, weird friction between them or something. And there might be, I don't know. We don't really know what's going right. on in the locker room, but... You know, my opinion on that sort of thing that we've heard a lot before is <laughs> that's just football. Guys disagree all the time. We didn't see it no, with Steve Mac. We didn't see it with Steve McAdoo because Steve McAdoo called the game from the press box. Exactly, and that's that's why we're seeing. That's why it's so in our face. I I, I think it's much ado about nothing. It's probably, if anything, it's two guys that are frustrated. Mm -hmm. and, know, and, Jason... I mean, and, and I mean, and I mean, like Jason Moss is a fiery character. I would be concerned if there weren't moments like that on the sideline because that's just how he coaches and that's how if he wasn't being himself, then that would probably be a bad sign. Well, well, and Cody is so, you know, in the time he's been here in Saskatchewan, he is so good at taking responsibility. Mm -hmm. And you have to think that, you know, neither of us are inside the head of Cody Fajardo, but you have to think Well, if, if that... we were, we would tell him that smoked meat is delicious. <laughs> so that's that's you're not wrong because that, that let's face it i mean his numbers have gone down since he admitted that smoked meat is not good which is a terrible terrible t which might be the worst take that any player has ever had on anything in his life like 
<laughs> like even even I'll give him credit. He brought us like uh, like red grenadine and 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 coke for cherry coke. Good for him. That that's good. But he has blown all the food stuff with saying that you know smoked meat is no good. I, like I, I there's literally a smoked meat restaurant in Calgary that you leave smelling like smoke and it is the best thing ever. So, uh, Cody, I hate to say it, you're wrong. Maybe I don't feel as bad criticizing you now because of your your hate of the smoked meats. But... Especially Montreal smoked meat. You go to Schwartz. Oh, just. I've never been. I've never been to Montreal. Lacey's been to Montreal. Mm. I haven't been. I'd love. I'd love to go. Maybe. Maybe we'll take this 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 podcasting show on the road one day. You know, we <laughs> find a sponsor to pay for. Like, maybe they'll give us like a twenty percent off coupon at the airport. Tim Hortons. And we'll be like, good. That's it. We're sponsored. We're going. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it, it the frustration though like i think cody is is wearing it and you kind of like to see it but it just seems to be building and building and building he like i feel like in these last few games cody needs a big game yeah like he needs another 300 yard game and i don't know if jason moss like now that they're in and realistically looking pretty secure to host a playoff game, I think maybe Jason Moss has gotta gotta let him like drop a game plan, pull every all all the stops out, just let Cody have a good game here before the playoffs because mm-hmm. I don't think what they do otherwise might be enough to. I mean, let you Cody might get cook, by basically. Calgary. Yeah, right. You might get by Calgary. You're not getting by Winnipeg by having a terrible offense. So you need to figure something out here. Maybe get them some confidence before the end of the season and just go from there. Because, yeah, you you might win the game at home. I have no doubt in my mind that that defense can beat Calgary. But when Winnipeg's defense is just as good and they're standing in the way between you and a Grey Cup, it's going to be tough to overcome unless the offense can figure it out here over the last few games. Yeah, and another thing that could be tough to overcome, especially in a big game, is if you start to bun, bun, bumble the clock a little bit. Oh, um, God, yes. Now, with this, what happened in the Ryder game was nothing like the hilarity we saw in Toronto in the game before, um, where if you missed yeah, it... That, that, oh, my God. <laughs> like, Dinwiddie is another one of my boys. Like, he's up there in, like, the Sergio Hall of Fame. I have a Ryan Dinwiddie jersey, as, as we've all revealed in this podcast, but... Mm-hmm. My God, was that awful? <laughs> it was so dumb, but it was spectacular in its dumbness, and I loved every second of it in a way. Um, oh, of course! Like, yeah, two if, guys if, that embraced the dumb, it was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So if you missed it, which I would be surprised you did, uh, forty-four seconds left in the game, Ryan didn't when he decides that the Argos are going to go into victory formation. Um, there was an explanation on the panel later in between in the at halftime of the Ryder game where it was. One of it was a former coach, didn't when he said, if you get to 45 seconds, that's when you can start taking knees. I guess the math works out that you would eventually, you would probably have to punch it back there, but, but there'd be like no time left on the clock by the time they caught the ball. And so, okay, whatever. Right, right. you'd just be doing the old run around yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, still feels maybe a touch earlier to me, but regardless. Um, instead, except Dinwiddie forgot that BC still had a timeout, which is kind of important <laughs> in that scenario. <laughs> So he took the two knee. I guess after you took the one, and then he took the second, and then I believe that's when BC called the timeout. And then there was—I mean, there still wasn't a significant amount of time left on the clock. 
but there was still enough that, and then I think some other dumb stuff happened, and then BC got out of field goal range, and of course, uh, the Macho Man Camacho missed for the second time, so that's twice BC had a chance to win the game off the foot of their kicker. Like, they maybe shouldn't have traded another kicker, but anyway... Hey, I'm glad. I'm still waiting for that jersey number to come out. I think the practice week starts in in Winnipeg tomorrow. Yeah, Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna have a couple beers after curling, uh, and definitely order that out. Wait a minute, I'm off tomorrow. The second the news breaks, what his number is, a Sergio jersey is coming. Because again, thank you, BC Lions. So yeah, that that whole thing, and then of course the kick was far enough to. Uh, create the rouge for the tie to send the game to overtime. Which this is so dumb, and I love it. Just perfect. Just, just, just absolutely perfect and beautiful. The only way it would have been better is if somebody was back there to try to punt the missed field goal out of the end zone. Yes, I would have preferred a kick out, but the rouge for the tie to send the game to overtime is uh, certainly quite beautiful and dumb at the same time. <laughs> for the Riders, however, it wasn't quite. It wasn't quite as artistic. Um, oh no! This was just like so. Their yikes. last, their last real possession of the game, their final two plays. So there was the second down play and then the third down punt. Uh, both of them were, you know, the play started with ten to fifteen seconds left on the play clock because the CFL, you know, it takes like an hour for them to blow in the twenty second play clock. Um, it's true. Like <laughs> so much for fast paced. Like, yeah. Just um, blow the damn whistle. Yeah. So. There was probably about 30 seconds, 20 to 30 seconds, that they could have still killed off the clock. Which, okay, give them a bit of a pass there. Mm. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. And then, so, on the following possession for the Alouettes, they get called for procedure on first down. And for some reason, they decide... This is, this is one of the dumbest things I've I've seen in a while. To decline the penalty to start the clock, which... Okay, in Again, theory... Again, starts on the whistle, which they take forever to do. Well, the thing is, but in that scenario, at that time of the game, Montreal's already essentially lined up. So no matter what scenario yes. was going to happen, you were going to kill literally nothing. So they killed three seconds, I believe, by declining the penalty, and it was became, it was like a second and five or something instead of like a first and 15 again. And yes. Trevor Harris scrambled for about eight yards and a first down. Where he got out of bounds. Yes. <laughs> so, which, which was fu- which was funny too, because like literally the Montreal receivers after they did that, I, I I remember texting you going like, okay, what the fuck are they doing here? And literally the whistle went and they started the waggle. Like yeah. like I don't think like I don't think you killed more than an extra second yeah. there because it was like whistle waggle snap. And then the play went off and, and still burned off, like you said, you know, another two, three seconds or whatever. But it, it was just, it was perplexing. It was strange. It was like, yeah, it was all, like all of that led about his... All of that led to the touchdown that made it a one possession game at the end. Right. All because of clock management stupidity. Like anybody that's watched, you know, Andy Reid down in the NFL for years, uh, he's recently gotten over it, but... Man, like, this just screams, and as much as you and I like Craig Dickinson, this mm-hmm. just screams, I haven't had head coaching experience at any level in some of these mistakes. And and that's that's not a good thing if Craig can't figure it out. I feel like he's a smart guy, and he'll look mm-hmm. at it and figure it out and come up with an Excel spreadsheet or something. But, yeah, that was a dumb end to the game. 
Yeah, and and we we've talked about his clock management before because, and a lot of it's usually at the half where some people start to ask questions about his usual not use of timeouts just before the half or you know a variety of reasons and he's been very open about that that's a philosophical thing where he's basically at all costs avoids calling timeouts in the first half to save them for the second half now whether that's right or wrong i don't know there are certain scenarios where i think it's worth calling the timeout if you can set yourself up for a field goal or an extra touchdown or something in those spots but regardless at least he's clear and open about that that this is what he does and it's like okay that just is what it is. This is how he's going to approach the game. Right or wrong, that's how he's going to do it. And we'll live with that. And he'll have to live with that should it end up costing him one day. This was just an entirely weird and complex situation, which as a one-off is fine. Except the game before against Calgary, there was a bit of a clock snafu at the end as well. Mm-hmm. And two is when you're like, okay, is this a pattern? And is this something that we should be worried about heading into the playoffs? Mm-hmm. And and that kind of especially with how close game. CFL games have been this year because no one's scoring up and down all game. <laughs> I see what you did there, and I like it because a few games have almost put me to sleep. But we'll leave it at that. <clears throat> you there? Yeah, I'm here. I I didn't I didn't think you were actually like ending there, so I just kind of. Oh, <laughs> I said I'll leave it at that. <laughs> but I thought maybe you're going off on a different tangent after the whole games are boring thing. <laughs> no, no, no. That I I agree 110 percent with everything you have said uh, on his clock management and everything like that. That is starting to become a concern, and that combined with a bad offense can definitely bite you in the ass down the stretch and into the playoffs. Well, we've uh, successfully bungled the end of the clock on this show, so Jacques Cartier, (laughs) show's over. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.